0: Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff on Never Told, your production of iHeartRadio.
1: Happy, happy, happy hour, Annie. To you as well, I believe. As this comes
0: out, if you're listening to it the day it comes out, it is Earth Day. So happy
1: Earth Day. Happy Earth Day. (laughs) However, we're recording it on a 420. Yes. So happy for twenty, everyone, as well. <laughs> A lot of things happening this week. There's there's so many things. I feel like April and May just get crammed full of stuff.
0: Yes, it is true.
1: It's, it's true. true. Especially with everybody like, I'm vaxxed. Which, by the way, I had to look up that term to make sure, because I, I, I tweeted something about it. Oh. And then I was like, oh, is this bad? What does this mean? So it essentially it <laughs> was like, you're sexy because you vaxxed. But you're oh. vaccinated. I was like, I can handle that. I really thought it just meant you got vaccination. <laughs> well, like I was hoping that too. I think that kind of, but like, I started getting real nervous. So I was like, wait, yeah. this is the term that I don't want to be using. What's happening? Yes. But according to urbandictionary.com
0: Not a sponsor. sexy
1: because you got vaccinated. <laughs> I like it, to be fair. Yes. Um, and today, we are sipping on some a lovely, lovely beer. From Dovetail Brewery. So I'm going to go ahead and open it for those who do not like ASMR. This is me opening it. So you may want to like click 10 seconds in. Yes, I just got some beer on my mic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We are the most professional.
1: We are. What's so funny though, Annie opened her beer before we started. And yes, she splashed it all over herself. And I was so sad that we did not have that on mic.
0: Because I had asked if I should do it on mic. Right. And and you were like, no, no, it's good. So there's a missing listeners out there. You could have had a very embarrassing
1: <laughs> beer opening from me. The face, your their facial expression, as well as just mm-hmm. the giving up, the whole throwing of the hands up into the air <laughs> was quite a delight to see on this end. But wow. you're like, I smell like beer. And I was like, well. Could be worse.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I'm glad I at least gave you a
1: delight. You did. As a reminder, we are not sponsored.
0: Nope.
1: FYI, Dovetail Brewery came through our friend Jason at Orpheus, who connected us with their brewer, Jenny, or JP, according to her bio, at Dovetail Brewery in Chicago, Illinois. And apparently, I think they have expanded up to Wisconsin. So if you need some of their delicious beers, um, their site is pretty fun as well. But shout out to both of them. And thank you very much. And by the way, I am drinking the Kolsch beer from Dovetail Brewery. Mm -hmm. And you, Annie? Yes,
0: I am drinking the Vienna Style Lager, which I love a good lager. As -hmm. always, drink responsibly if you choose to do so. You don't have to. Right. I just want you to have a happy time with us.
1: Yeah, so we just want you to share uh, and sit with us as we go on our little tangents, because we love our tangents, and this is a little less organized than our other tangents, I will say. (laughs) Organized tangents. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And just what we wanted to talk a little bit about today, but about the beer industry, is about having the Cicerone certification, and I'll explain what that is in a minute, but kind of go ahead and get into our beers. Annie and I actually tried the Kolsch previously, and I actually tried the Vienna Lager previously because they hooked us up with some of the tasty beers. But this one is really nice. It's a good summer beer, I think, mm-hmm. um, for me, because it's very fruity, but at the same time, very crisp. When I mm-hmm. think of beer, a Kolsch or a Hell's or a Lager or what usually my mind goes to, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, IPAs are are amazing and everything, but that's not the first thing I ever thought of as beer. I always thought of the lager, Budweiser. You know what I mean? Right. And not at all. This is not a Budweiser at all. It is better (laughs) quality than a Budweiser. We'll say that. But (laughs) it has that lager. It has that nice heft of Mm -hmm. uh, malt to it. And as they described it, it is a happy beer. Sessionable. And yes, sessionable. I love a good sessionable beer. Makes you want to have glass after glass I would not recommend it, but definitely a glass. Uh, fruity, floral, and crisp. And I think so. that is definitely the type of beer that I am drinking. I feel like this is also one that I could have with a hamburger. Oh.
0: and would be very happy with. Ooh. Beer and hamburger. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm i kind of similar in that I when I think of beer, I usually think of lagers. And that's because my mom, who did introduce me to beer, that's what she drinks. And actually as my mom and I are really good friends. And as I've become more adventurous, I've been sharing, like, I think you'll like this mom or I think you'll like this vlogger. And she is just one of those people that's so uh, delightful when she likes things. Like, she's almost so surprised. Like, oh, this is so good. And then she wants to like get it at the restaurant and she's so happy she can find it on a menu. And yeah, so I I do have like a really positive experience with loggers, And actually, if any, any listener has a connection to the Tofino Brewery in Canada, I've been trying to get that lager forever. I don't even know if it's still open, it might not be, but she loved it. And I always am like every Mother's Day or every birthday, I try to find a way to get it. No, So far, no luck. But um, any hookups, let me know. This is a very, very lovely... Let me take a sip. Yeah, as you know, I'm terrible at describing things. So um, it's very lovely. And it's got like, sometimes with beers that are really hoppy, you can feel that bitterness coming for you, right? And I feel like this has that, but then it like is malty. Like there's a malty finish that just melds it together. So it's not, it's almost like you think it's going to be bitter, but it's really not. It's quite, quite refreshing. So according to their definition... It is copper in color with a warm malty character. It's made with 100% Vienna malt and Styrian. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Golden hops, rich, caramel-toned, inviting. I love descriptions like that. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Yeah. this to me is definitely like an after-dinner beer. When I had it, I was Mm -hmm. like, "Oh yeah," because it's malty on its own. So it had a little bit of a nutty-ish type of taste to it, and I love Mm -hmm. that in itself. I used to love a good like dark lager hmm A dark ale. And this is a little more darker, but of course, the hops bring it back. Yeah. This is what I remember. It's been a minute since I drank it. But today, we are talking a little bit about the system of Cicerone, which the reason I wanted to talk about it is, again, Jenny or JP, who is the brewer who sent us this, shout out, thank you very much, from Dovetail is actually a senior exam manager for Cicerone. So she had to go through all of these qualifications. And for those of you who may not know, Cicerone is a sort of a beer sommelier. That's a good description for it. Meaning it's a program or courses that can be used by the beer industry as someone who is knowledgeable and possesses current understanding of the beer standards, quality, and then some. Uh, Just kind of lends to the idea that people who have studied are uh, certified are experts. Much like a sommelier. Mm -hmm. Um, And according to their site, it, quote, "...designates hospitality professionals with proven experience in selecting, acquiring, and serving today's wide range of beers." To claim the title of Cicerone, one must earn the trademark title of Certified Cicerone or hold higher certifications as Advanced Cicerone or Master Cicerone. And they actually have a whole like site that you can look people up. And those with a basic level of expertise gain recognition by earning the first level title of Certified Beer Server. So... According to their site as well, there are more than 125,000 certified people worldwide, which is not really a big number when you kind of think of how many people are in the world, A, and how much beer there is in the world, B. And even the growing number of breweries that's happening in the United States, there's been some and then some around the world. We know this. So even though that seems like a big number, to me, I don't think that's a huge number in comparison to... So, Annie, you said that you had not heard of this nope. at all. And I guess because, I, I've, like I said, I, I was in the beer industry for a little while. It was common knowledge to know what this was. And my personal experience, we actually at Orpheus tried to have Saturday classes in order to study for the Cicerone certification. Now... It was just for the beer server because it is intense and it is fairly expensive. So there's a whole lot of conversations that I had in my head. And it was very fascinating because you learned about hops. You learned about malts. You learned about types of beers, where they originated from, the the history of beer. So it was was a really fascinating course for sure. It is intensive. It is like a four-hour long test in order to be certified as a beer server in wow. itself. I didn't finish the course because everything kind of slowed down at the brewery because they got really, really busy and overwhelmed with all the things that were happening there. But it was very kind of them. And I have, if I remember correctly, I think they were going to pay for our tests because they wanted all of us to be on point in understanding the beers and what it was. And I, I think that's fantastic to learn more about beers. Now, I have a conversation in my head going back and forth because we know that there is this whole level of back and forth when it comes to standardized testing. Yeah. And to me, this was kind of one of those level Mm -hmm. of things. How well do you do in standardized? (laughs) Um, Well, not to brag, but very well. (laughs) I, I
0: actually, I know that that argument's been made a lot in the United States that we teach students to take tests. We don't actually teach students. I feel like I was really, really good at taking tests. Um,
1: Yeah, also smart.
0: But also, you were very smart.
1: (laughs) You were very smart. I agree. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, for myself, I remember because a part of this is there's a level of anxiety when it comes to testing, the level of over preparedness, not resting, all of these things. Mm -hmm. I remember I had a a fellow student who was an A and then some. Like her GPA was beyond mine. I outdid her in SATs. I outdid her the ACTs. She did so horribly that she had to redo it like three different times. Yeah. This has nothing to do with her ability to learn or what she knew. Like yep. she was beyond intelligent. She just could not take a standardized test. The level of anxiety to perform like that was mm-hmm. too much for her. And for me, it helped me get into college. Not that my my GPA was not bad, but just in general, like the scholarships you get, this merit level of yeah. ideas. And then again, standardized tests cost money. Yep. So who can, can repeatedly take the test? Mm-hmm. And if you want courses, holy crap. Taking yeah. courses costs so much money. Mm-hmm. This is an obvious systemic level of separating those who can afford things versus those who can do things, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and not to... You know, say anything to those who are, do well in these tests. that's wonderful, but mm-hmm. there is something wrong with this type of system that literally paves a path for you about whether or not you get money yeah to be able to go to college. That's just the whole level of absurdity in itself, yeah, to me yeah. when I um lived in china
0: i I taught a bunch of things, but I did teach a class on how to basically get into a, a college in the United States. And it was like an optional class, but I could tell that everyone there had access to a lot more resources. And that just was how it was. Like that, those were the people right. taking that class. And on top of that, there is, yes, the like books that you can buy about how to... Right. ace the, AC, the ACT or the SAT and the classes and just the idea that that mindset Existed. I mean, obviously, in China where there were students or their families that wanted these students to get
1: into colleges in the United right. States. Right. Yeah. So, I worked from 13 on, essentially, uh, trying to get whatever I could because my family was was not the wealthiest. They provided everything they could for me, but they had four children and then some. And so, we had to do any extracurricular stuff, anything, a car and all of that was going to be on us. For me, I remember buying an SAT and ACT computer program that cost, Mm -hmm. I think, $100 that I paid out of my own money, and it did benefit me. So I feel like those type of things, like not everyone can get that. Yeah, Not everyone has a computer. I'm trying to remember where I got that computer.
0: Yeah. And if I'm remembering correctly, it was the SATs, at least, were like Saturday morning. Yeah. And they were like four to six hours.
1: You had to schedule it yourself if no one else wanted to, get to help there. you. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and I, I digress because overall, <laughs> all this st- standardized testing makes me a little anxious in itself in mm-hmm. the implications on, on it alone. According to the reports, uh, there are only four top tier female master cicerones. So that means the top of the top of the top. Right. Again, this is a very intensive level. and There's four different levels that you can get to on um, mm. this, starting with a beer server. And the first woman to actually get her Master Cicerone was in 2011, Nicole Ernie, who was at that time only one out of four at all wow. to obtain a Master Cicerone title. And This is 2011 again. And according to one report, as of 2020, only 19 have ever passed to become a Master. So... To say that this is a bragging right is obvious, a big thing. Again, there's four out of the 19 who are women right now. Um, JP, she's getting up there. So maybe we'll hear a report about her soon enough. If you go to any of her social media, she knows her stuff. She's a good person to watch about brewing, about hops, about fermentation, all of that. But I find it fascinating in this industry how the top of the top is so hard to get to. And I guess we can talk about that in the sommelier. I haven't looked at that statistic yet. Uh, I did think about wanting to be a part of that culture as well because I I can taste wines, but I'm not amazing. I'm not amazing (laughs) enough to be like, this is from this specific vineyard. Never. I also cannot (laughs) taste specific hops. Although... There are specific hops. When I see it, I know that I gravitate towards it. So the Mosaic was one of my favorites because it created a really amazing taste. Then I tasted another beer from a different brewery that was completely Mosaic and I did not like it. So who knows? (laughs) And as we've talked about before, at one point, hops were worth more than gold. Mm -hmm. And I don't know their value now. I would have to look that up. But I do find it interesting this level of expertise and who is garnered towards. But also talking about within that, how many of those women are uh, women of color. And by the way, the pictures I saw, not many. Not many. Um, And one of the conversations though for Ernie, who obviously has made a name for herself, was how to normalize and not make it about gender. Of course, much like many of the professionals that we've talked to or we seek articles from, they're really tired of having to be the woman or yeah. women, the first female, instead of just someone who loves something. Mm-hmm. And I get that. I get that question a lot. We talked about affirmative action just for a little bit and why that's necessary and the argument back and forth about, well, it's not about merit, it's about race, and that's not necessarily true and why it was needed in the first place. And, and it comes to the question of what does it look like to normalize women as part of any industry and why it has to be that we have to cut out a section for mm-hmm. women instead of just allowing it to be these women are amazing, they're brewers in yeah. this story, right? Mm-hmm. And then the bigger conversation goes to, well, why does it have to be black owned instead of realizing because there is a detriment in the statistics of who is offered to be seen within an industry and who is being credited as an expert who is being credited as knowledgeable. And that really systematically goes to white men as the authority. And why we need to talk about breaking that down is not necessarily about ousting people Mm -hmm. and not tokenizing people. But how does that even start? And then you talk about these level of testing that makes you these experts, but the amount of money that it comes to being able to do these things. I don't even know if people... Again, you didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was until I started in the beer industry. And I guess if you go in, people will tell you that's great. But what if no one's willing to tell you because they're not willing to give you a chance because you're a woman? Or they're not willing to give you a chance because you're a person of color? Or any of those conversations that we need to have. And of course, there's a lot of lip service. But is it changing, right? I know within the Pink Boot Society, which is a very uh, female centric, trying to get more women involved in the loving craft of brewery and brewing mm-hmm. because there are so many women who love brewing and can understand this. and And again, brewing started as a women's thing, yep. Till men figured out they could make money. Till they figured out they could make money. (laughs) And it it quickly got overtaken. And then women kind of just kind of disappeared in history when it came to brewing. And so Pink Boots Society is one of those that like to celebrate women, come together with women who love beer. And of course, they've had their own ups and downs about involving people of color, uh, Mm -hmm. involving the marginalized community, the LGBTQ plus and what that looks like. And of course, they've made big strides, and there are amazing people within that organization. And I I love that organization as well. And then even to the point that they have been giving scholarships to people to take Cicerone to be able to do this course because it's kind of that level. And I love seeing that as well. But again, that's that bigger conversation of this exclusionary idea of being an expert doesn't just exclude people who may not love it as much, in your opinion which is very gatekeeping in itself. Yes. But it excludes those who do not have the monetary ability or even the accessibility in any way Mm -hmm. to get to that level. And that's a big question of, okay, as Ernie says, it's about knowing your and being celebrating because the Cicerone is not gendered. And that is absolutely, well, I don't know. I'll have to go back and look at that. As she says, it doesn't ask for your gender, all of those things. And that's, that's very true. But at the same time, there is levels of stumbling blocks for those who cannot have the same accessibility Mm -hmm. as some can. So Mm -hmm. I had a brewery who cared enough about us to offer this to us on the weekends, Mm -hmm. knowing that everybody else had full-time jobs. Is that a thing for everyone? Right. But anyway.
0: Yeah. And I, I think this is another example of when people want to dismiss kind of the whole purview of our show, which is intersexual feminism impacts everything. Like, the fact that there's only, what, four women that have reached this top level, but the 50% of the population, and they drink beer. Like, that's... You have to ask yourself why. At a certain point, (laughs) you've got to ask why. And there are just... You can't isolate it to one thing. There, It does... there's issues of all kinds of things around that and why that is. And that's why we got to talk about these things.
1: Right. And to those who are Cicerone certified, congratulations. That is a big feat. Uh, The amount of documents that we had just doing three lessons was wow, mm-hmm. and again, shout out to things like Pink's Boot Society. To uh, I'm, I'm following a Craft Women Connection for breweries who offer scholarships to advance people who want to do this. Shout out to that. Shout out to Orpheus who tried to offer that to us um, before the pandemic and everything fell apart. Like those are things that need to be happening, and we need to talk about why it's not being as accessible as inclusive as mm-hmm. the few. Yes, well.
0: I don't know if you know this about me, Samantha. Here's my claim to fame in the alcohol world. Well, I have more than one, but here's the one I want to talk about. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was knighted secondhand, so I'm a dame, because I uh, managed to be a subbrewer for like half a minute. I did it one time in front of somebody who'd been knighted. Nice. And he knighted me. And therefore you have been disrespecting that? me this whole time. <laughs> can they do that? They can give you it's a very long title. So I'm not like official official, but I I'm official. And I Is have it the video. In a book? I've I i do not know. I'll ask him. He gave me a mm-hmm. cigar. <laughs> 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 I have it. I still have it. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do Perfect. with this. <laughs> anyway, that's my claim to fame. You can find the video on YouTube. I will say it took me six tries, but I did do it.
1: <laughs> those those <laughs> scare me when people do that. I'm like, oh my god, someone's going to lose fingers, a head, something.
0: It was. I was very intimidated. I'm very clumsy, as you know. I'm very easily startled. It worked out fine.
1: Nice, it nice, out fine.
0: <laughs> Perhaps <laughs> we'll revisit that. I would love to know how many female brewers there are out there.
1: But all right, cheers, cheers, everyone. Yeah. Let's fix these problems. <laughs> yeah. No, okay. Let's do it. Let's let's get to work. And
0: we would love to hear any suggestions from you listeners about uh, creators we should spotlight in these happy hours or any cocktails you've created, uh, alcoholic or not. And you can send those to us. Our email is StephanieMomStuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast or on Instagram at Stephon Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stephon Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.